Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Where every week we read the Shonen Jump chapters up on viz.com, as well as something else. And this week we are continuing Isekai Month with That Time I Got Reincarnated as Yamcha, which you can also read two-thirds of on Viz's website. You can read the whole thing on Viz's website. So it told me that Chapter 3 was unlocked because I was a paying member. Oh, maybe that was the case. Since I am a paying member, I didn't notice. Yeah, I thought it was all up there as well, but... You can also buy it as a volume for like six bucks. Yeah, it's pretty short. I don't know that I'd recommend that, but we'll get to that a little later. Yeah. So, shall we begin then? Let's do it. We got another new series starting this week, which is Yukimiyo Let's Loose, Chapter 1, The Phantom Black Sailor Uniform. So what did you think about this new series, Kevin? I'm honestly kind of bored by it. It didn't. It's not that it was bad. I was just... The premise is it's the essential, oh, it's the crazy person, but they also have uh, like a totally boring, nice side as well. This isn't the first series to kind of, I mean, this is a weird way of doing it, but it's kind of the meek guy that's got the berserker rage kind of thing. And I just, I got kind of bored by the premise. I would not say I was bored by it, but certainly this has caught my interest a lot less than other new series. We are going to continue reading at least the first three chapters and talking about them here on the podcast. So it has some time to win us back over. Uh, But I found a lot of the characters to be unlikable. And more than that, I found a lot of the translation to be kind of off. Like there's a one part I wrote down the exact line, but it's that typical like Japanese. Let's give this guy a overcomplicated nickname thing. But it's just really overcomplicated and doesn't. Like, no attempt was made to make it flow in English. Oh, the life lovers thing? Yeah. Yeah. And then later, there's a bit that's very clearly a Pokemon reference with yes. one of the characters jumping out. But instead of it being like, a wild Yui appeared, they say, a Yui jumped out from the grass. I'm like, did you not pick up on the reference? Or did you just deliberately decide you weren't going to bother to translate it? I guess not translate it, but uh, localize it correctly. Yeah, because... Is that the way it happens in Japanese Pokemon games? I like assume the... it's a direct translation. Yeah, so I agree with you. There were I didn't notice them. Like you mentioning them makes me realize that that's the case. But I just I wasn't too into the series to begin with. So so the series starts with this girl in like a traditional Japanese temple, and they're like, "We can't let you do as you want anymore." And there are a bunch of monks chanting. Yep. And so the premise, like we said, is there's this girl who's this high school delinquent Yu Yu Hakusho style who's going gone around beating up gang members. Yeah, she's the demon king of the middle school delinquents or something like that. Who has her delinquency sealed by a magic hairband. And her best friend is always going around making sure that the hairband's tied so that she will be nice. I don't know if it's a specific magical one or if it's just whatever her hair is tied up. Yeah, it... It's not really shown exactly what it is because her hairband is, it's like a chain. So it could be that specific hairband, but then it gets broken and she still ties it up and it's fine. So it might be the monks did something to her to make her a nice person. But either way, it's like, I'm, I'm not really interested. Yeah. And when she's a nice person, she's like super docile and overly nice. Yeah. She's 
like the an perfect an- submissive Japanese housewife. Yes, she's an angel, and all everybody loves her. But it's literally like, oh, I'm so perfect, I cannot see anything wrong. So I wasn't interested in that side of the character, nor was I interested in the. I would have been more interested if she was like literally a demon trapped in a human body. That's kind of what I thought they were going. I thought the first scene might have been like a thousand years ago or something. Or even if it was recent, like for whatever reason, the demon was possessing this girl and they weren't able to kick it out. They were just able to like lock it down so the girl could regain control of her body. That would have been a pretty interesting idea. I'm, I guess other things have done stuff like that before, but with this, it's just like, oh yeah, she's just a regular high school delinquent. Uh, oh. And there are some interesting metaphorical things going on here. I think the idea of a girl having to act polite in society when she's not really like that underneath and exploring that dynamic with a metaphor like this is a story the world can use. But there's too much I don't like around it. Like her best friend is always constantly making sure her hair is tied. And like when it comes off, she reads ties it, which like takes all the consent out of it. And that's weird and awkward. Yeah. And then the male lead is just this like typical rich boy playboy. Yeah. And he does have a, like, I guess, softer side that he wants to be a vet because his goldfish died. But immediately he's just a huge asshole and he yeah. never really redeems himself. I'm more interested in Nui herself, mostly be- for that, like, repression metaphor than you are. But all of the other characters are just completely unlikable to me. Well, and the big thing is, like you said, it to me, it doesn't feel like a repression metaphor because she is forced to do it by someone else. And I mean, I think that's worth exploring, too, because you can argue society is forcing girls to act that way, right? Rather than them doing it themselves. But there is no choice on her part. Yeah, and that that's really what it is. It's not just that, oh, the monks did this to me, and it's like, all right, so if I act perfect, I can fit in with everybody. It's her friend literally has to show up and retie the hairband every time. It's not her going, all right, I need you to tie my hairband again, or her struggling with the fact that I want to let my demon side go wild. Neither of those happen. It's just, oops, it accidentally happened to slip, and now I'm free. Yeah, and we just read Ranma One Half, which could have a very similar problem. But the author there, whose name I can't remember right now, even though I just looked it up, was just much, much better at coming up with weird situations for these characters to get splashed with water in. And so they always come off as funny. They're always good jokes. Well, and it was also more of a comedy thing. So the ridiculous situations kind of play into comedies a lot better than this seems to be like a drama. So her having her hairband constantly coming undone seems weird, as opposed to Ranma getting splashed with water seems funny, but it's supposed to. Yeah, I just did not super care for this, as we'll talk in the rankings. I do think there are some good ideas at the core that could be extracted, but I don't have a lot of hope for this series. Yeah, I like I, I didn't hate it. And when I say I was bored with it, it's mainly just from a standpoint of I have I'm reading all of the other manga that are coming out in Shonen Jump. So it's like, yo, you want to tack on this one more? Uh, not not really. It's not like I don't like it. And I actively it's not like I actively hate reading any of these chapters, but there's a even couple the elation. Yeah, there's a couple of them where it's just kind of like, eh, I'm just I'm not that interested. Like if I were given the choice, I would stop reading them. And it's not from uh, I guess it's just from the they don't interest me. It's they're not they're like, bad because they're not good. Yeah. Which brings us to something that's very good, which is My Hero Academia number 219, Go Slide and Go. This is a pretty fun little chapter. Yeah. 
It's kind of just Bakugo and Todoroki cleaning up the robbery we saw at the end of last chapter. Yep. But that's pretty fun still, because Bakugo's yelling at people, and he's making these giant explosions, and when the heroes show up later, they're like, did you get all the stolen persons? He's like, yeah, I pickpocketed them so they wouldn't blow up. Yeah, I, I just really liked that. It was like, oh yeah, back when I was smacking all of the villains around, I pickpocketed all the stolen goods back. And uh, the pro hero's like, oh wow, you go, you boys are doing great. Yeah, and Todoroki uses that giant ice wall that he uses against Midoriya at the end of the fight. Yes. And so Baku gets super mad. That he's like, what? Are you mocking me by using the move you beat Deku with that you wouldn't use on me? Yep. Todoroki's like, no, man, I'm just trying the superhero here. Yep. And then we also have that scene where All Might goes to save a woman who's going to be crushed by like a street pole or a lamppost or a sign or something. And so he goes to tackle her out of the way, even though he doesn't have any of his powers anymore. But Bakugo slaps the thing away and kind of derides him like, you're not a hero anymore, old man. Yeah. But I still thought that was cool. It's All Might still like, even though I don't have any quirks, I'm still a hero. I need to save this lady. And Bakugo trying to be a hero, like despite his foul mouth, is also super fun. Yeah. And like that's the most I like Bakugo is when he's doing that and there's that contrast. Yeah. Then I also really liked right at the end, they're all like, all right, we need to go home. And Todoroki's like, I still need to melt my ice. And Bakugo's <laughs> like, I'm not helping you. We also get more of the super rich guy. Like, that fight ends. There's a, like, carbonation quirk villain who's shooting out carbonated water. And he's got these gauntlets that self-destruct after they beat him. Yeah, and he, he kind of gives hints that he's clearly not used to using them. He's yeah. like, wow, these things are so powerful. They're too powerful. And it actually, like, knocks him over because he's shooting out carbonation from them. And then we cut to the CEO of, I think it's like Detnarat. I don't know exactly how you pronounce yeah, it. I'm not sure, but yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm leaking stuff onto the black market with self-destruct stuff so it doesn't leak back to me. And they have captured the like guy who's making the support items for the League of Villains. He's yeah. a character we've seen a couple times in the manga. I'm not sure if he's shown up in the anime yet. Yeah, he has. Okay. I couldn't remember. He's shown up in a couple of, at least a couple of times, he, basically at the same times that he has in the manga. He never shows up for long, is more my uh, point. I couldn't remember if he was there before. No, we've seen a scene of him talking with the head of the League of Villains, who I can't remember his name now. Bad touch. Bad touch. Yeah, sure. But so we have seen him before. And the other thing that the head of the CEO of Detnarat, he is also because he's been linking those leaking those things to the black market. He's been gathering data from them as well, so that's why they're able to self-destruct. He's constantly monitoring them to try and get data to help the Liberation Army's goals. Yeah. So the guy's like, hey, the price of doing business is not giving you up your contacts, so I'm not going to give them to you. Like, if you want to do business with me, do business. Don't beat me up and tie me to a chair. Yeah, he's like, what kind of merchant would sell out his contacts? That kind of defeats the purpose, right? Uh, and then the last panel is that giant guy who escaped... I guess that was in the manga, right? That didn't happen. Yeah. there's Basically, there's a giant guy who used to work for All for One who's just like a One Piece style giant, basically. Yeah, he's but he seems to be made of like rock yeah. almost. And we find out he's training the League of Villains. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, but it, and it's just this giant splash page of him having beaten them all and being like, why do you suck so much? Yeah, he's like too tiny. Why All for One? Yeah. Also, that scene is a flashback. They mentioned that it happened before the hero trials or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do mention that that scene is a flashback. To So we're probably going to see powered up versions of the League of Villains. The League of Villains because they've been training. 
I kind of assume that anyway. Just like, why give them a training montage if they're not gonna, yeah, get stronger? But they like they gave a timeline, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but they gave a timeline for how long they've been training. So pretty good, My Hero Academia. Pretty much like always, that you very rarely get bad, My Hero Academia. Yep. Which brings us to another series that's usually pretty consistent: One Piece, chapter nine hundred thirty-five, Queen. So, what did you think of this One Piece chapter, Kevin? I thought it was pretty funny. I liked some of the bits in it. I like the turn at the end, or at least the the setup for the turn at the, whatever the cliffhanger is at the end. Yeah, this was a lot better of a transition-y chapter than the one we read two weeks ago. Yep. One Piece is kind of in that wall phase where they're just building stuff up that it gets into. Yeah, they're building up, arc. They're building up everything for, we're going to have the giant fight for the at the festival or whatever. Which is always kind of the worst time to be reading One Piece, even though it always pays off, and that's why One Piece is so good is it brings everything together in the climax. Yeah, and so that's usually why I don't mind reading it, and why I usually actually enjoy reading those chapters, is it's like, oh, they're going to set, they're hinting at this thing might happen, they're hinting at this thing, here's some cool backstory on characters that I had no idea. I liked the jokes, so we see the aftermath of Luffy kicking out that guard. Yeah, and him being like, hey, I'm going to train with these kryptonite handcuffs on, so I'll be way stronger later. Yep. And they'll be like, you shouldn't be able to move! Yeah, it was pretty great. And then we have, so Queen shows up and all the guards get distracted, like right in the middle of Luffy rebelling against them. And so Queen's like, all right, list your top three concerns right now. And the the guard captain is like, well, Eustace kid escaped. And Queen, yeah, he's got it. his eyes popped out and he's like, what? Somebody stole the sea prism stone key, like the handcuff key. And Luffy is currently escaping. <laughs> yeah, and like Queen's reaction just gets more and more cartoonish. <laughs> oh, so good. I just love the list of the top three things. Oh, yeah, by the way, Luffy is currently <laughs> escaping. And they like point to the back where he's like trying to run away. <laughs> yeah. And Raizo has got the key and he's going to save Luffy. But the end of the chapter cliffhanger, we're, we'll go back in a minute, is he sees that uh, prisoner who's been shrouded in darkness. Yep. And he is Kawamatsu. Have we heard that name before? I don't think we have. This is a I new... don't I don't think we have either. This isn't a reveal for us, right? I didn't think it was. No, I well, I mean it's a reveal in the fact that it sounds like he's part of the 20 men. Yeah. That, so he was part of that group because he was like, Oh, you haven't you haven't changed at all. And so he turns around and notices him. So that's the ending reveal, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And this we... guy didn't time skip with everyone else, so he's gonna be presumably older. And we also have a middle reveal that I kind of skipped over where Nami, Robin, and the older ninja are all in the bathhouse together. And there are some jokes about it being mixed bathing. Yeah. And Sanji is also, so they notice, because we see a short thing of Usopp, Frankie, and Law. no longer, yeah, Law are talking with the guy that Zoro was talking about, or talking to the guy who always, he's from the poorest town in the country or whatever, where they're always smiling. And so Zoro has gone to steal back a or take back a sword that's been stolen. So that's something setting up for later. And then as they're talking about that, they're like, hey, where'd Sanji go? Wait, where is Sanji? <laughs> and then it cuts to the bathhouse. Yeah, which was good. But there they learn about this old Yakuza guy who is the old man that Luffy is saving in the prison right now. Yep. And so... Like, again, two weeks ago, I was real down on the chapter for just kind of meandering, whereas here we're getting both setups and reveals, and it's way more on point and yep. more of what I expect from One Piece, even when it's in this building phase. 
Yeah, we're still getting revelations of certain things. So it's not just here's some hints about what's happening. It's like, oh, hey, you know that thing I was hitting about a little bit ago? This is that thing. And then here's another hint that's all going to build to this climax for this showdown between the rebels and the and uh, Orochi. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and Kaido, obviously, as well. Yeah. And Kaido as well. Uh, which brings us to the last Sayuki chapter two for someone else's sake. The second chapter of this other new story. It's kind of weird for a second chapter. I think after we did our Shonen month, I got a real formula for how Shonen Jump liked to do things in the early 2000s when yep. it was setting up new series. And I kind of expect that. But instead of a self-contained story, this is very much a setup for the next chapter, which I didn't mind. It just isn't what I expected from the formula. Yeah, I mean, presumably they might have changed it. Yeah, I, they've gone through a new editor. I assume that it's not exactly the same. Like, My Hero doesn't really open that way either. No. But this is all basically just setting up the main character whose name I didn't write down. That's I got to start a new page for Ryusuke. It, I believe you're right. I got a new start. A new I'm not page 100 on. I'm not 100 on that. But we pick up where we left off. He like punches his dad because he's super mad at him still, which is reasonable. Yeah, but he's also got some. Like he still likes his dad. He's like, I didn't want to hate you. I just wanted to play baseball, and you were trying to force me to care for this girl when I was already doing it. Yeah. Like, it had already happened, and now you're sitting here telling me that I need to do it. Like, of course I know that, old man. Yeah. And we get some more, I guess, exposition on how the world works, that there are these basically imaginary boxes called a moo, that because humans can't see, they, like, don't really interact with at all. It wasn't just that. It's the humans believe that if you can't see it, it's impossible but everyone has those baseless fears and all that kind of stuff. And that just kind of builds up and it's all sealed within this invisible box called the Mew or the Moo, however you pronounce it. And is her name Sayuki? What's it the, is. Yeah. Sayuki has the ability to open the Moo of people. And so we also get a little explanation of Ryosuke's Moo has been opened. So as soon as he's like right now, you don't have to worry about it because you don't have your fear at the moment. Yeah, because you saw me defeat that monster. Yep, but as soon as your fear comes back, the monster will come back too because your Mew is opened. Yeah, and they like go to check on Sayuki and find she's gone. Yep. And she can float and probably go through walls, they assume. Yeah, he mentions that she's actually, she can move more freer than anyone else. Yeah, but she doesn't because that can also open up people's Mew if they see it. Yeah, but because she, if they see something they think is impossible, it will cause them to open up the Mew. Yeah, but because those guys already know it, she doesn't really have to worry about that. Yep. So Ryosuke realizes that if she's like hiding from him because she's like upset about him. Well, she, she's trying to protect him. Yeah. She doesn't want she doesn't want him to see monsters anymore, so she's trying to hide from him. Yeah. So he's like, oh, the only place she would go is the place that I would never go, the storehouse that I'm terrified of. Yeah. So that's where she is, probably. So they go there, and his dad's like, okay, I'm going to go in and get her. And Ryosuke's like, no, I have to do it because like, I have to prove to her that I'm not scared of her. Yeah, and if you go, it won't change anything, and she'll just run away. Yeah. So he's like, give me that staff that you used to beat that monster, old man, and I'll go get her. And the cliffhanger is basically him going in. Yep. We also get some stuff that his dad is, it's not just because you're my son and I need to protect this girl for, and 
have you protect this girl for humanity. There's other reasons that I literally can't explain to you. He says at one point, and he kind of hints that uh, Ryusuke might have some powers, like the reason that his dad has a staff that can destroy these monsters. So there's some cool hints going on that it's something more than just, I happen to get saddled with this, and since you're her age, you're going to be her friend. Yeah. So yeah, I'm continuing to like Last Sayuki. Yeah, it was pretty good. Which brings us to another series I really like, Promise Neverland, Chapter 126, a three-person talk. Maybe not the best name this week, Promise Neverland. It's okay. You knocked it out of the park last week. Yeah, and this isn't horrible. No, it's a very good chapter. Um, I meant the title. Yeah, I guess not. When you have to do 126 of them, you're not always going to do great. So basically, Norman gets back and they're like, hey, we need to talk. What's your plan? And Ray's like, it's a demon civil war, right? He's like, yep, "Yep, it's a demon civil war. Well, I mean, they've been able to do that since they were kids, since they can think pretty similarly. So even Norman says, he's like, wow, this is going to be super easy because you can read my mind. Yeah. So they kind of, Emma, after that, goes through the thought process of, like, basically probably the same one Ray and Norman had. But she, because she's her the point of view character, is always not necessarily a step behind them, but she definitely thinks, on a different wavelength. Yeah, she's, she tends to think differently than they do, which is good from a standpoint. Three people who think exactly the same won't solve as many problems. Yeah. So she's at least smart enough to be able to figure out the reasoning. She's like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. And she yeah. goes through how the Demon Civil War will work and yeah. how it will make it much easier to to defeat the demons. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, uh, Ray's like, hey, yeah. Hey, do you know about these demons who don't need to eat people, though? Yeah, because that'll probably ruin your plans. And, like, Norman has a, as soon as they say that, not, like, quite a blue screen of death, but that, like, anime reaction face. Yeah, he's got his hand cover on, covering his face except for one eye, which is huge. Yeah. And he's like, what? How did you hear about that? Who told you? Yeah. And he's, so he clearly knows something about it, and he calls them the clan of the evil-blooded girl. He's like, did you meet them? Yeah, and the picture of her is her in a cage surrounded by dead demons that have all had their either their eyes poked out or their faces bitten. I'm not, I guess it must have been their eyes poked out because that's how you kill demons. So pretty good chapter cliffhanger. Although, again, a little bit weaker of a chapter too, I think, than Promise Neverland has been lately. Though also, it's been knocking it out of the park lately. And this one's Yeah, so good. while it seems a little bit weaker than some of the previous ones, it's still solid. I'm going to say that a lot because this was a very like average issue of Shonen Jump in that pretty much everything was good, but nothing knocked my socks off. No, and so that's why, a uh, spoiler, well, I guess it's not a spoiler for the jump card segment, but the top of my list is kind of, was kind of very hard to do, because I was like, I really like these chapters, and none of them immediately went like, that's the top one, or these are the top three. It was like, these are like the top seven. Yeah, I was looking at my list for a while, being like, is that just on top because I read it first, and that's where I put it then? Yeah. So, yeah. But that brings us to Chainsaw Man, Chapter 13, Gun Devil, which, again, is not my favorite chapter of Chainsaw Man, and not for the normal reasons I don't like a chapter of Chainsaw Man. I thought there was some very confusing art in this chapter. Really? I didn't feel that. So we'll go to the plot summary, and then I'll tell you what kind of caught me off. Sure thing. So Makima is explaining the Gun Devil to... Denji. Denji. I was going to call him Sanji, and I'm like, that's not right. And continuing to say, yeah, hey, I'll give you whatever you want if you uh, do it and I can make this request because it's going to be super, super difficult. Yeah, it's basically impossible. So I can write you a blank check because if you do manage to succeed, you would have earned it. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. So when devil started showing up, everyone was buying guns. 
So the fear of guns was like slowly rising. And then there was a huge terrorist attack with guns. And the gun devil was born. And he killed 1.2 million people in five minutes. And then we haven't seen him since then. Yeah, it was 1.2 million people, but they a- Across the world. Across the world. And it was like he was in Japan for five seconds and killed 600,000 people. or so, Not 600,000, but like killed 60,000 people in Japan. And he was in Hawaii for 0.4 seconds and killed 8,000 people. And it like shows what looks like it was like a gunshot that just went across the globe murdering people. Yeah, which is kind of what I wanted to get to. We then cut into what a, a flashback, and it does seem like a flashback, but it's kind of, it jarred me. I was like, is this a flashback or? I got it later on in the chapter. Yeah, so did I. But it was very jarring when it suddenly happened to me. And it's this guy who's like, hey, dad, can you play catch with me? He's like, no, your little brother's sick. He's like, but my little brother's always sick. And this little brother's like, hey, I want to go play with my big brother. Can I go out? And so they go out. They start having a snowball fight. But the little brother's getting cold. And the bigger brother's like, oh, I'm going to get blamed if you get sicker. So, like, go inside and get your gloves and we'll play catch. Yep. And then the moment, like, then we see the bigger brother smile. Yep. And the moment the little brother goes in, the house explodes. Yes. And that read to me as he blew up the house. Like, 100%. Like, the smile and then the, and I'm like, who is this guy? What's going on? Well, and so the reason that that didn't jar me as much is that was the first scene that we seen after she said the gun devil was born. We didn't see it, all the numbers and it tearing through yeah. people. So I thought at first I thought that might have been the moment the gun devil was born. I was thinking maybe that too, but the cut was just too abrupt to me. I needed, I think, like a, a caption over the first page I guess. or something. I don't know, but it just seemed like a really weird cut. And then... Like, two pages later, we see the bigger brother's reaction, and, you know, he's in awe, and it's clear that's what happening is that was the gun devil somehow, but also it just, it read to me like a bomb, not like a gunshot of any sort. Yeah, it that's kind of what it read to me, but then I, I realized that it was more the shockwave of the bullet passing, because I'm assuming that's, it feels like that's what it was, that it was the gun devil shot a giant bullet that literally went around the world, murdering people almost by accident. Yeah, and I do get that, but, like, the way the art's drawn, you see, like, furniture flying out of the house through the top, and it doesn't read as, like, a shockwave to me. Like, that would blow the house over sideways, where it looks like it's being blown up, like, literally blown upward. Yeah. I just found the art kind of confusing. And the bigger brother is uh, Aki, who Kevin likes to call Suit Samurai Guy. Yep. So we get an origin for him. Yeah, and it is totally possible that the gun devil was born in the house. So that's why everything was blowing upwards. Is it originated there and then traveled around the planet? Yeah, that's. I guess that's possible for some reason. Uh, I, it didn't read don't that know, way to me either. We don't know too much, but yeah, I. it didn't confuse me as much. So she explains that like the gun devil is so powerful and like it went so fast that like bits of its skin fell off. Yep. And when other devils eat part of its skin, they get stronger. Yeah, and all of the parts look like bullets. Yeah. And, like, when you put them together, they start to merge together. Yeah, and, and they're like, they're pulled towards one another. And so, like, if we get enough of them, we'll make a big enough piece that it will go towards the gun devil. So our plan is to collect the seven drag ball, I mean, the uh, gun devil skin, until we have enough that just starts flying off towards him. Yep. So the chapter ends with them finding out there's a very powerful demon in a hotel, and they're like, yep, oh, or devil, I guess. They're devils in this. Yes. And they're like, oh, better go to the hotel. It's probably a gun devil eater <laughs> there's probably a japanese term for it that won't translate well yeah we do have a scene of aki standing on this demonic devil shark thing 
holding one of the bullet pieces, going like, yep, I knew it. I found the bullet piece. This small fry shouldn't have been this powerful. Yeah. And also, that's when we find out he was the guy in the flashback. Yeah. And so it ends with, they're like, we're going to send six devil hunters to this hotel, which are, of course, Denji, Power, Aki, and then three new people we haven't seen before. We've, we've seen them. They were with Aki when he defeated the leech okay. devil. Their character designs did not stick out enough to me for me to. We saw them in them. like one I panel, you. and you were probably focused on Aki when you were reading it because he showed up with backup. It wasn't just him. I definitely believe you, but we haven't had introductions to them. No, we don't know anything about them. We literally just saw a panel of them. And Aki, Denji, and Power, I would say, all have very good character designs. I would not say that of these three characters. Yeah, any of them. Like I could not call to mind what any of them look like right now i can remember there are two of them that are like clinging together but yeah the third guy i can't remember at all all right so yeah chainsaw man still pretty good like i said every chapter in this was pretty good even the ones i kind of have lower so yeah i feel like this was more like a slightly above average issue of shonen jump like everything was fairly good it just kind of pales to last week's everything was really good I just think Shonen Jump is usually pretty above average, as weird as that sounds to say. Yeah, but it was more like, even compared to other Shonen Jump things, like, I liked a lot of the stuff in here, as opposed to like, yeah, it's kind of an average chapter of this. So next we have Hellwarden Higuma, chapter 11. Higuma and Ayaha. Hey, Ayaha gets to be in this chapter. Yeah, she gets to do stuff. Kind of. I feel like she gets to talk about things, which is fine. That's still sort of doing stuff, but... Yeah, well, I mean, she's making higuma feel things yes so she's like hey why do you do this hell warden thing when very clearly you hate it and he like just is like well you know i do hate it i but i trained myself to do it and i and like i don't have a strong sense of justice like you do yep and it's more just showing the contrast in their characters where ayaha is very much like if you do something bad you should get punished like you're doing the right thing higuma and also you did save my life that one time yeah even if you feel conflicted about the demons they're still stealing people's life energy to stay here. So that's wrong. Like, you should send them back to hell regardless of how you feel about them. And I do really like this dynamic. Like I said, this story arc is like, you actually like Higuma quite a bit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but like, that doesn't mean I don't feel empathy for them. And yep. like, I don't want to send people to hell. Yeah. So that's most of it. And then the back half of the chapter, that's the less interesting part, is the kind of big bad they've been setting up being like, well, that Kitsune was way too weak. I need to send someone stronger, but I can't send someone so strong that he kills him. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out the measuring stick for this Hell Warden, and it's really hard to keep track of them since they keep changing so frequently. Yeah. And we find out that the longer a spirit is in hell, basically the stronger it becomes. Yep. And then this spirit just kind of shows up. That... I don't really know how to describe this character design is much better than the ones in Chainsaw Man, but it's difficult to describe. It's, it's like a it looks like a giant black scarf almost that's kind of razor sharp. Yeah. But it, also a person. Yeah. It was in silhouette, so we might see more of it when it's we actually get to see him as a character. But the silhouette did look cool and he seems to have some kind of like acid powers of some kind because we see the one demon that shows up to the big bad and is like, hey, boss, problem. We got a problem. This guy is going after. I tried to stop him, but this guy is going after Higuma and like half of him is melted away. And then we see a shot of a drop of liquid hitting a leaf and burning a hole through it. So yeah. we know that this guy has some kind of acid powers. So, yeah, I'm liking Higuma more um, 
Yeah. The series and the character. Which brings us to We Never Learn, Chapter 102, The Ice Flower Dances with X at Twilight, Part 3, which is pretty much the resolution to this storyline with Yu-Gi-Oh! and his teacher. Yep. And it ends pretty much how you expect if you read the last chapter. He takes her ice skating. She's in a very revealing costume that doesn't quite fit her because this is We Never Learn. Yes. Uh, and he's just like... Um, we start with her naked in the shower. Well, yes, obviously. So. And Yu-Gi-Oh! walks not in on her naked, but in on her in a towel. It's she answers the door in a towel because she expects it to be her sister. So she's wearing her towel like, listen, I told you time and time again. And Yugi is apologizing. She's like, no, I was too brash by walking to the door in a towel. Yeah. So they go ice skating and Yugi's like, I want a private lesson, which, you know, again, leads to shenanigans. He's like, no, I, I just I, I thought if you skated, your mind would be more clear about this. Yep, And she's like, no, I don't want to skate. I don't deserve it. Like, she's having a pity party, but before she can finish, he's like, oh, yeah, you'll need music. Is piano all right? Yep. She's like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. But then, like, he is streaming her old student playing piano. Yeah, and she, she notices from the sound of it. She's like, wait, that sounds familiar. And then she looks up at his phone. Yeah, and she's like, hey, yeah, you. I knew you had a good ear, teacher. Like, I never got into music i never got into a conservatory but i play in an indie band and like i have fun so yeah everything's good and also this boy clearly likes you a lot because he went to a lot of work tracking me down yep and she's like teasing them by playing wedding bells and stuff and she's like i'm sure your relationship will be hard but you can do it yeah congratulations after you graduate yeah and they're like no that's not what this is and it ends with her like deciding to go back to teaching like showing yep. up and all the students are like happy that she feels better. And it actually ends with her calling her mom that she hasn't talked to in 17 years or whatever. Yep. And asking if she can visit. Yeah. But I do think there's another small hint to the fact oh, yeah. that the Th- guy that she was thinking was his dad. Yeah. It's not even a small hint. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I had slipped my mind. But she, when Yugiya is like, when she comes to the decision, she's like, man, Yugiya is something special. Maybe it's genetic. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that was probably Yu-Gi-Oh's dad. So I think the next, maybe not the next chapter, but the next arc is probably going to be a reveal about that. Yeah, I imagine we're going to get a couple small chapters before that, though. Probably. But pretty good we never learn. It's just climax stuff. It's, like I said, we never learn is always pretty consistent. So. Yeah. And that continued here, which brings us to Demon Slayer, chapter 149, Disgust. Which is, I don't want to say a below average chapter. It's probably an average chapter. And like we said, every chapter this week was kind of a little bit above average. Yep. So this one's basically just the villain being like, why do I hate this guy so much? I thought it was because he was weak. But then he starts babbling about well, weak people, everyone's starting weak. And like he has some flashbacks to people telling him similar things. Yeah, I'm assuming it was like his martial arts teacher yeah. or a mentor of some I kind. got a real brother feel from it, but and, yeah, something and, like that. Some sort of mentor role. Some sort of mentor role, and he literally, the flashback was so powerful, he felt his hand on his shoulder and went to strike it off him, at, which he did in real life. And so Tanjiro's like, he just smacked empty air. Why? Uh, then we get kind of a weird sequence where we see this character that I assume you know who he is that I have no idea, like, praying that Taijiro will be all right. Yeah, so he was the flame pillar that the Upper Moon Three killed. It's his younger brother. Okay. And he has written a letter to Taijiro? 
Yes. And attach it to a raven, and we see the raven arrive. And there is this weird meta narration of, like, Pataijiro hasn't read the letter yet. If he doesn't win this fight, he won't be able to read the letter, which is a weird, like, way to set up the stakes. A little bit. <laughs> I don't hate it. It no. just, like, struck me as, that's odd. Yeah. So the guy who was praying, his dad used to be the flame pillar. And so they've got a bunch of family notes dating back to the guy who did the dance of the fire god as opposed to breath of fire. Okay. And Tanjiro, apparently his dad used to do the dance of the fire god too. So there's kind of hidden backstory of the dance of the fire god was the initial thing that all the demon hunter breath techniques are kind of based around. Like that was like the first one. Okay. And all the other ones are weaker subsets of it is how somebody puts it. And so he was like, well, you used to be the flame pillar. Maybe your family notes have something about this breath of the flame God thing. And they initially went looking through the family records, but the dad had torn all of them out after getting super depressed based on I think his wife. His wife was killed by vampires. Okay. I, I, they're demons, but I don't remember exactly what happened, but he was super depressed. So like in a fit of rage, he tore the pages out because he was like, it's not worth it being the flame pillar. Everything we're doing is pointless. Kind of, I got defeated and went into that downward spiral. So I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen or what the secrets that are going to be revealed with the dance of the flame God thing. Yeah. And then the chapter cliffhanger is that the guy who was fighting this demon earlier shows up and saves Taijiro. Yeah. Cause so the two, two of one. the two of them had been together. And also we have Tendro analyzing his opponent's attacks a little bit of like, every time there's an opening, it feels like his attacks are literally being pulled towards my vitals somehow. And so he's trying to figure out maybe there was a hint in what this guy said, or there's some hint in the way he's fighting that I can try and figure out his fighting style. Yeah. So yeah, pretty decent chapter. I am excited for next week, but yeah, I don't know. Demon Slayer is a real weird series for me because I always feel like I don't know what's going on and I don't feel like the art is necessarily good, but it's really nice to see, especially the attacks. Yeah, I really like it. And knowing what's going on makes it kind of cool. And recently it's just been a lot of fights. So yeah, and we're cutting between them a lot. So yeah. it's like hard to get a grasp on any one character. Yeah, well, it's kind of like at the climax of a one piece arc when you yeah. have all right we've got a cut between the seven main characters duking it out in their anime battles you kind of have to bounce around a lot i get it and like i said i am liking it it's just a weird yeah feeling when i go to read it which brings us to food wars chapter 302 the claws of evil which i actually really liked this chapter yeah this the, one was really good so it starts with megami kind of confronting saiba and being like hey stop making advances on Arina." Well, like, it's actually, it's Saiba confronts her because well, she was true. eavesdropping on, on, on their, their conversation. conversation from the end of last chapter. You're right. But she kind of stands up for herself and is like, hey, I, I'm going to challenge you to a Shokugeki. And if I win, you have to leave Aaron alone. Forever. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I thought only students could get, do Shokugekis. Like, I've been completely ignoring that. But yeah. I'm going to do that against you now. And he's like, tell you what, if you win your current match, we'll face off each other in the bracket. So I'll say yes, but you have to beat this new war guy. Yeah, well, she knew that they were gonna yeah. they were gonna face if she won the next match, they would face off in the bracket. So he was like, "Listen, if you beat my next guy, I will accept your shokugeki." Yeah. 
So then most of the chapter is devoted to this noir guy who is this Chinese assassin who uses these claws that normally you would dip in poison, but he dips them in different seasonings and he uses the five you know, base tastes on each finger. Like, yep. So we see him scarring the meat. We see him like, and we see the WGO guys basically doing the sideline anime explanation of all his powers thing yeah and we have him being like wow i can't believe i saw these claws in real life in real life they're super legendary and one of the girl that uh from the convenience store is like how do you know all this super legendary yeah how do you know all this assassin stuff if it's all supposed to be secret (laughs) which was great yeah Uh, and then we get this incredible page reveal yes or I should say page turn reveal. That's just a splash page, like, right after he finishes his dish of, like, I don't even know how to describe it because I don't quite get the reference, but it's Megami in, like, this kimono just whipping him with a sash, and yep. we see the 3-0 to Megami. Yes. And like I said, Megami very rarely gets uh, treated well by Food Wars, so even though I'm certain she's going to go die on Saiba's sword next week, it was very nice to see this. Like, we yep. don't even see the battle or what she makes. No, we just see she, not only did she defeat him, she 3-0'd him. Like, yeah. she just crushed him. After this entire chapter basically is set up about how good he is, which is a very basic technique, but the page turn really makes it work. Yep. Uh, and then so Saiba's like, yep, I kind of actually figured that would happen. Hey, remember that guy you beat at the start of the arc? Let's see, going through my suitcase, here's his knife. And then I'll use these claws, and I'll show you how I do things. Yeah. And he also comments on her hospitality freakish talent was yeah. actually pretty impressive. Even though we didn't see it, so we don't really know. Yeah, but we know that's her thing. Yeah. Yes. So I guess she, he's going to beat hospitality out of her? Is that's how his powers work, right? I assume because of the Shokugeki. Essentially, I mean, really what happens is... Yeah, he takes their tool, and she doesn't really have a tool that she uses. Yeah, I wonder what he's going to consider her tool, but he's going to take her tool and take her hospitality powers. Yeah. Which will be weird. Yes, but okay. Yeah. So pretty good chapter of Food Wars. Yep. So that brings us last but not least to the monthly title we read this week, which is Platinum End Chapter 39, The Future of Humanity. You chose this one, Kevin. So do you want to start talking about it? Sure. So we start off where we left off last time with the angel candidates all floating above the news station with the final candidate being revealed as Professor Yonzo? Yandea. Yandea. And everyone being super impressed because he was like the guy leading the research team on the Heaven Candidates. And so we get a little flashback at one point of somebody being like, oh, so that's why he was so sure that they were real because he's one of them. But he he's confronting the candidates and he kind of, they kind of say like, do you want to go somewhere private? No, we should keep this open for everybody. And we just want to talk things out. We don't need to. Because it sounds like some of the other candidates got killed in battles with one another, maybe. Because at one point he mentions we can fly and shoot arrows. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, no, we want to talk. He was like, that's good. That's a skill humans possess that we should use more often. Yeah. And then. That- he goes in this big spiel about the nature of God, and I don't want to blow up the spot, but this all felt very college level. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, which I think is how my tone portrayed it. But I can see like a teenage boy reading this and finding it really profound and it opening like stuff in their head and giving them yep. a lot of ideas. But to me, this is just every JRPG. I played Final Fantasy X when I was 11, and yep. I play every Persona game. And this 
felt like it was not treating the material as well as those because it's only one chapter, not a full video game. Yep. But still, it's basically just a hey, uh, did humans make God or did God make humans? And everyone treats this as this super profound question when it's like stuff I've heard a lot about before. And basically, he posits the theory that God was created by humans when they decided to start worshiping it. And since clearly they have powers now, it must be real. Yeah, because he's like, we have powers and I got visited by an angel. So. But he's like, but God is probably just like an energy field that humans create by believing in it. And so it probably did this at a desperate attempt to make people believe in God. So we should just do like what the main character said here and not do anything. Yeah. And kill this God creature. Yeah. He was like, why did you say that you wanted to do nothing as God? And he was like, if I decide to do anything, I'll essentially end up controlling people from the sidelines. He was like, yeah, you'll create an invisible tyrant. And that's not what people want their God to be. Yeah, it just takes a oddly anti-God stake, too, of like, we should take this opportunity to kill this thing when it's not really clear what it should do. And that doesn't seem like a very scientific approach to me. If you discover this energy is real, you should, like, try to figure out how to harness it. Yeah, and that might be one of his plans, because he mentioned it was getting weaker. So even the act of creating these God candidates have got people believing in God again. Yeah. But he's very dismissive of the idea of believing in God, which seems weird when there's like tangible proof of it. Like, I get what they're going for, but I've just seen these uh, themes explored in way better ways. Yeah. And it seems kind of rote for Japanese media. Yeah. Well, and it's not just the fact that he's like, it's not that I don't believe in God. It's that I don't believe this thing is God. He's like, yeah, we should call it something else. Like a creature. Yeah. And then there's a weird thing where everybody has to work up the word creature. So I assume that's a translation thing and that I'm they assume- use a slightly different word in Japanese. Because we also see someone's like definition list and it does not quite match what you would define a creature as. Particularly the last entry is something created by God or the devil. Yeah, but I could also see that. So maybe he does say it in like English or something. So that could so be. they get a weird translation thing. There's also a sequence where he talks about the speed of light and how many times I can, he's like, have you ever tried to see how many times you can go around the planet in a single second? Yeah. And that's a weird part to me too. Cause we don't really get an answer for that. No. Right. We see that he, he's got a stopwatch. So clearly he did it. Yeah. It was, that but was I don't weird. Get what he's implying there. Yeah. And he talks about this one guy that maybe had been one of the other God candidates. I probably, I really need to go back and read this at some point to figure out. Cause the main character also knew him that had seemed to figure out the same thing that how could you believe that this thing is God kind of deal. And like you said, we've seen this dealt with a lot, but it wasn't, I still enjoyed it. Like I realized that it's, Oh, this has been done a bunch of times before, but I do kind of want to see if they end up just taking this exactly where everyone else takes it, or if they take it in a slightly different path, because maybe he will try and figure out, all right, so we need to figure out, if I become God, I'll try and figure out a way to harness this being's energy or the, like, we might be able to achieve immortality. He says we might be able to achieve immortality soon. Yeah. As humanity. So we kind of need to use science more and not have this blind faith thing of like, oh, yeah, this is the age of gods is dead. Yeah, it just like I said, it struck me as very rote. They're not doing anything with the idea that I haven't seen before. Yeah. Which I guess is my final word on it, until we rank it in our jump card segment. Yeah.
Jump Guard is the segment where we rank all the chapters we've read from our least favorite to our favorite. And we have 18 this week because of the new series and nothing on break. So, Kevin, why don't we start with you? So, believe it or not, I don't have Neolation at the bottom. It's actually Haikyuu. Oh, okay. I almost put Haikyuu at the bottom as well. I just... I didn't really feel anything with this chapter. So I was like, yeah, they're playing volleyball. And they're like, oh, it's not about the individual. It's about teamwork. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I have Haikyuu pretty low as well. So I'll talk about my feelings on it in a minute. But my number 18 is actually Hail's Paradise, Jigo Karashi. Yeah. Because this one just keeps losing me. I keep thinking I'm about to get it. And then we jump over to some other characters. Yep. Like the weird talking head thing that yeah. uh, I have no idea. Like even some of the characters don't know what that is. They're like, wait, is that a talking head? So I maybe this one is really when we should have just started from the beginning. But that's not even available in English. So no, it it feels like it does feel like we should have started it. And it feels like we're missing out on a lot of stuff because uh, apparently the elixir isn't even real. Yeah. And I some guess. people know that or think that at least. I mean, they're pretty sure of it. They're like, all right, at this point, we just need to escape. And that's Gabamaru and his crew and the other people that were that we were following at first that were fighting the weird flower devil demon thingy. Mm-hmm. They're trying. They're like, we need to get back together and all escape. And then hopefully if we're all together, we're less likely to die in front of the Shogun. If we're like, yeah, the elixir wasn't real. Yeah. And in case, instead of it looking like one person yeah. abandoned it. What's your number 17, Kevin? My number 17 was Hell's Paradise, so. (laughs) Okay. My number 17 was Platinum End, because like I said, I just, it didn't do anything for me at all. I've heard these sorts of discussions before, and while I do find it an interesting topic, I don't want to say I'm beyond it, but I like a more nuanced approach when you're talking about faith versus science, and the let's just kill it, like, regarding God seems, like, very rote to me. Yeah, I, I honestly... I didn't quite get the fact that he wanted to kill the entity. It was like the Age of Gods is dead, not necessarily that we need to murder the thing. I'm not saying that that's not what his plan is, but... That's how it came off to me, so maybe you're right. I'm just, I'm willing to, because like you said, we haven't seen the whole discussion yet, so I'm willing to see where this goes, but it was something I have seen a lot of. We got 16. My number 16 was Neolation. Neo didn't actually end up doing much in this. And that makes it a much better chapter, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, I actually have Neo a little higher than this. I have Haikyuu at number 16. And I put it above the other two just because the art's pretty good. It does convey a volleyball game. And there are some exciting bits of that. Although I find I don't super like watching a volleyball game. Probably period. But that includes in manga. Yeah. The only volleyball game I liked watching was from Hunter x Hunter. (laughs) That one's okay. Well, I mean, you know, it's technically a volleyball game, but yeah, I guess actually that was dodgeball. It is dodgeball. You're right. Yeah. It's just he serves it like a volleyball, the villain there. Yeah. Well, and I think they actually use a volleyball anyway. So Neolation, I do like that Brother Tao ended up beating this guy because it's now autumn and he started collecting his race data in the spring. And so because he doesn't know the route well, he doesn't know that fallen leaves gather on this one corner. So he slows down and the automatic driver racer guy that I can't remember his name ends up crashing into the side rails a little bit because he slips on the leaves and loses traction. And that's how Brother Tao manages to get ahead. And then the automatic driving kicks in and they win. Yeah, it's a good solution. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, it was a cool weather change thing. And while I I did kind of like it about that. It does make the villain seem kind of dumb, doesn't it? It makes the villain seem super dumb, especially because it makes it seem like he's been racing a lot. Like, oh, he hasn't raced in autumn. Well, it's not like he hasn't raced in three months or something like that. It sounds like he was racing last weekend. Yeah. Like, how would he not know? Unless it was like, today was the day the leaves fell. Yeah. And so you have to worry about that. I mean... It works before Fridge Lock kicks in, at least, though. It doesn't make you mad reading it. No. It was just like, it makes him seem super stupid. It was like, this was the guy that's been collecting all this race data, and, like, if he's been collecting race data like that, don't you think he would have tried to think about that a little bit? I mean, I get that's what they make. That's how Brother Tao's like, that's how you know that you're not a real racer, is that you don't know this track as well as the people who he's like, all the people who have been racing this thing would know that. Yeah. Which is just weird, I guess. So what do you got at number 15? I have Yui Camino. Camino. Yeah. Cause like I said, I was just kind of bored with it. So it didn't rub me the wrong way or anything, but I was just kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm not really interested in picking this up. Yeah. I got Neolation at 15. So I pretty much said everything just now. So my 14 was platinum end. It wasn't super amazing or anything like that. I didn't mind the discussion. Like it didn't. I didn't feel it was as rote. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 just, it I is guess... rote, but it didn't. I kind of want to see. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt to see if it will take it somewhere different. And if it doesn't, then it will start being like, oh, okay, it's just another one of these. But at the very least, they started it somewhere rote. But if they take it at least somewhere a little different, it might be interesting. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of why I put it so low is because like there was no comic craft to it either. Like Neolation no. excited me with some of the stuff, and Haikyuu, uh, like I said, was well drawn, and there were some good images. Where as this is just people talking in a shot reverse shot fashion. Yeah, and I didn't like the content either. My number fourteen is Jujutsu Kaisen. It's just kind of that some an- some anime battle stuff. It was fine. Like I said, though, every chapter in this week was fine or better. So yeah. that's where this one slotted in. Because I didn't get a strong emotional impact from it, but some of the fight mechanics in it were cool. Yeah. So my number 13 was Dr. Stone. And I think mainly the reason it's down there is that it was just kind of, for me, it was like, all right, so they made a thingy. My number 13 is also Dr. Stone. Yeah. Because like you said, it sure was a chapter of Dr. Stone, wasn't it? They used the thingy they made last time and made a new thingy. Yep. So it was like, it's not like I... I didn't like it, and I'm still kind of interested. It just kind of happened to go down because everything else was better. Yeah. So my number 12 was Demon Slayer. Hey, so is mine. Yep. Again, um, it was a fine chapter of Demon Slayer. Cool yeah. fight. Uh, I thought it was cooler than the one in Jujutsu Kaisen, which is why I put it higher. But not a lot happened. Yep. So my number 11 was Act Age. I kind of liked this chapter of Act Age. So we get the main character is joining... She she's going to cheat on her no acting thing by creating a film with her friends in the cinema club, which ends up being just the one kid. Yeah. Like the other two pretty obviously from last week, but we get the official word that they just joined the cinema club to like have a place to goof off. And it was actually the, the one guy wanted to start the cinema club, but yeah. you need three. It's the, yeah. you need three members in order to start a club. So he kind of was like, Hey, you guys join my cinema club since you're not doing anything. You'll have the club room to hang out in yeah. and you won't have to do anything. We, I, I see that a lot in Japanese high school yeah. things that deal with clubs 
especially like the the oddball club like it happens in mob psycho yeah i oddly haven't but it feels like a trope you see all the time like maybe i read the tv tropes on that yeah because like i said it, it happens in mob psycho and it's actually one of the big things like uh, i said i picked your, up on what was yep. going on last week so i also like that the girl in there is like man am i just being a bitch because i hate this girl so much yeah and she's almost like why do i hate this girl so yeah. much like why am i so <laughs> pissed at her so we get she is kind of snatching some of the professional filming equipment from the producer's studio to try and make this film. And so they're trying to work out these shots with a boom mic and all this stuff. And we get other students are getting in the way and the main guy trips with the camera. And he's like, ah, we took like 12 or 18 takes or something like that. And we're still not getting it. What's going on? And she talks about, oh, well, making a movie or a play You've got a giant production staff that ends up shouldering a lot of the work. It's not just the actors that make a movie. So maybe we need some staff. And he's like, well, we only have the two other members. And they already said, no, wait, you're a professional. You know other professionals, right? And there's this amazing sound effect. I don't even remember what it was now, but it's like full of herself or something. Yeah. But she's like, yes, I am a pro and I do know some and I'll go get them. But then she like kind of realizes that all the producers she's worked with in the past have like had these grand visions and she kind of changes her mind is like, well, actually, it was when the guy, the kid was explaining why he started writing the script. And he was like, the main character is actually based off you because you came into class and I started writing the script almost immediately because, you know, I kind of I liked you or I was at least interested in you. And so I started writing this script and. That's when she realizes if I bring pros into this, it will be their vision and all this stuff. So you've got a handheld handheld camcorder, right? Let's just shoot off that. Just you and me together. We'll make your film as opposed to making a film that you wrote. Yeah. So I actually really like Akage. I have it quite a bit higher. We're on number 11, right? Yeah. My number 11 is Yui Kamiyo Let's Loose. I think I just liked it a little more than you because I think the metaphor has potential. But I agree with most of your assessment of it being yeah. not great. And I like Yui, I think, a little more than you do. But all the other characters Probably, are just garbage. Yeah. yeah, like I said with that, I didn't get the repression metaphor because it was more like it's not her trying to repress it or it's not. I didn't feel like it was a, a thing of society trying to repress her. It was more like your friend is without your consent forcing you to do this thing. Yeah, the metaphor doesn't. There are problems with the metaphor, yeah. but I think. It's purposely kind of strong. That said, the fact that a guy is writing it, I don't want to say a guy can't write the story because I think they can, but I think that might be where a few of the missteps are taking place. Yep. We'll give it more shots. I'm not going to. Yeah. At least two more weeks, we're going to do a full episode on it. But uh, yeah, that first chapter didn't super impress. Yep. So my number 10 was Jujutsu Kaisen. So I liked. So in the, like you said, it's an anime fight. And I liked in this that the one guy reveals that his power is that he can swap places with anyone. Yeah, like I said, it had a lot of cool stuff because of that. And it happens when he claps. Yeah. But then, like, the end reveal is he claps and doesn't do it. He's like, oh, I don't have to when I clap. Yeah. And then we also get a little thing of... So the move that... I still don't remember his name. The main character is using... He's talking to one of his senpais, who's like, uh, the most I ever used it in a day was four, and I was lucky that day. And we see him use it like five times yeah, in but the he, fight. But he says like it's like it depends on all these factors. So I don't think there's like even a theoretical limit. But 
Yeah, it's basically once you can do it once, you're more likely to be able to do it more often. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, it's getting over the hump. But he said, like, for me personally, I've only been able, the highest I ever got was four. Yeah. Uh, my number 10 was Chainsaw Man. It's kind of, this is, Chainsaw Man marks the stuff that I actually liked quite a bit. Whereas everything below it, I have reservations on. But I, I talked about my, all my feelings on Chainsaw Man. The art was just kind of muddied and yeah, broke my enjoyment of it. So my number nine was Black Clover. So I was right. The runny guy was apparently being possessed by the devil. Yeah, my nine was also Black Clover because there was some stuff I liked in this chapter, but the literal devil shows up and is the bad guy is like, I don't want to say rope, but it is kind of the opposite of deus ex machina, right? Yeah. It's like, now the devil is the villain. Yeah, I was like, I was expecting it to be (laughs) a demon, not the demon, like not the demon king Oh, yeah, it turns out I was the one who manipulated the humans into attacking the elves. And I also manipulated you into uh, this stupid hatred plan so that I could resurrect myself, essentially. I'm just being straight Satan over here. Yeah. It is super weird and kind of like cool to me whenever like very Western tropes show up in Black Clover and played very straight. Yeah. Like very Westernly. Yeah. So I still liked this chapter, but that took it a little bit down where it was like, oh, it's just literally the devil. I, I honestly would have liked it more if it was like it was one of the devil's servants, even. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm one of the demon generals or something like that, and I've I've got this plan to resurrect my master. It's like, okay, so it's not just, all right, here's the devil, but... It, it does introduce some power scaling problems, doesn't it? Yes. But you know it is like, I can't beat this guy alone, and like the last page reveal is Asta. Asta showing, showing up. up, yeah, because he's like, his magic's impenetrable, and... We did have the thing, so we got a little bit more backstory of, so there's that fable yeah. at the very start where yep. it's like the fourth the fourth leaf of the clover has good luck and the fifth has the devil in it. Yeah. So he actually created the Black Grimoire. Yes. So I don't know how useful Ast is going to be in this fight, at least at first. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It, yeah. might, it might end up being like, this is my kryptonite because I'm a magic user. Yeah. And because I don't have access to this thing right now, because even he mentions he's not at full strength. Or it could even be a, like, this is part of me, so it can hurt me thing. Yeah. But it could also be a, hey, there's the rest of my strength. Yeah. Thanks, boy. I needed that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see where it goes, but I was at least kind of, I thought that was kind of cool world building. Yeah. Like, they brought it all back to, like, in the fifth pages, the devil is like, oh, they meant the, the literal devil. Alrighty then. So my number... Oh, yeah, yours was my, also Mine is also over, yeah. So my number eight was the last Sayuki. So... Really, this is, it was like the top eight that I, I really had a hard time kind of pinning down exactly what went where of, I was like, I just, I, I liked these chapters a lot. Not that I didn't like the previous ones, but this was the bracket of, I couldn't move all of these like from eight all the way up to number one, but they were very fluid in that one to eight ranking. And so I did like this one. I liked the cliffhanger at the end of Ryusuke, even though he's a third grader going like, no, I have to do this myself. I need to prove to her that I can protect her and that I'm not scared of her, even though I am scared of her and I haven't killed any monsters and I'm yeah. terrified right now. I we, need- we didn't really talk about his inner dialogue at the end, but that's what really makes it, is him being like, no, I am just acting tough because I know that's what I need to do. But yeah, like, I need to do this for her. I need to defeat this monster somehow. It's that old thing about courage not being the absence of fear. Yes. So yeah, I, I've got it a little higher. I have act age at number eight because again, I really like the emotions there and I really like the turn. Yeah. I think I just like act age a little more than you maybe. 
No, I mean, I still liked Act Age. Yeah, I think we, I, just, I, have, I've, I was just saying that as a summary, because I feel like I've talked about everything. Yeah. I think the things we liked are pretty much the same about it. Yeah, for me, Jujutsu Kaisen and Black Clover went up because they were more fighty. It's not that I didn't yeah. like Act Age. It was just like, I liked the fight scenes in this. It was Black Clover went below it for me, because the devil is kind of a... I yeah. don't want to say a lazy pull, because it kind of does work, but it is still... Oh, yeah, the bad guy's just the devil. Yeah. So my number seven was Hellward and Higuma. Hey, guess who's number seven was Hellward and Higuma. Yeah, this was a pretty good chapter. I don't have really much more to say about it than what we did yeah. when we were talking about it. Ayaha's there, which I like, and I yep. like the emotional content of it. Yeah. The, it only goes so low to me because the back half was... It's all set up for what's coming, and I don't mind that, but yeah, it's just... There's a bad guy still. Yeah, well, it's Rita Repulsa being like, what monsters shall I send next? Yep, and that's... A lot of my rankings are going to be, I kind of just put this here, and I can't even really tell you why. So my number six was We Never Learn, because there's a solid chapter of We Never Learn. Uh-huh. Funny, it had the raunchy bits that are always there, and it also had the big reveal that the teacher that his sensei used to admire admire was his dad. Probably. Almost Probably. for sure. Pretty yeah. much for sure. I mean, it's a story. There are no coincidences. I mean, there there might be coincidences, but something like that is definitely not a coincidence. My number six was The Last Sayuki. I talked about last week how, like, adopted little sister stories, for some reason, really get to me. Yep. And I talked about all the reasons I like Last Sayuki already, so. So, my number five was My Hero. Super solid chapter of My Hero. I liked the Bakugo and... Todoroki thing, the training reveal of the League of Villains wasn't amazing. But it's like it's a good splash page though. It is like it's a nice like trope inversion. Yeah, that it's that's why it's still up at the top of the list and it's kind of all free floating up there. But it was just kind of like okay, yeah. So they're they're training and I liked I liked a lot of the bits with Bakugo and Todoroki and the new villain being like or antagonist. He's definitely the antagonist. I don't know that he won't try and work with the heroes or maybe he will try and work against them we'll see he doesn't want to destroy the league of villains so yeah he wants to destroy the league of villains i'm guessing there's going to be a play to try and get the young heroes to join his cause yeah at some point that and it's it's one of those it's not necessarily that he's evil he's just not quite a superhero or maybe he'll team up with endivore because endivore seems like he could get tricked really easy yeah. And he's, he's trying to be a good guy and a good dad right now. Yeah, so he, he's definitely the antagonist, but we don't know exactly where on the evil good thing he falls. Um, my number five is One Piece. I talked about how it's a very buildy chapter, although it's at least a pretty good buildy chapter. It's got both payoffs and setups, so yep. it, multiple of each. So my number four was Chainsaw Man. I just didn't get as confused by the artwork in places, and I really liked the reveal of the gun devil being this terrifying monster that killed 1.2 million people in five seconds i i liked that stuff but also like the and then he disappeared and we never saw him again seems really weird to me it makes him feel like a non-threat in a weird way the the way i feel it feel about it with the the pieces of him is he expended himself in that giant attack maybe so he's literally in all of the pieces and what my thought is, is when they're going to assemble a big enough chunk, it's going to turn out that that just all of his pieces were 
the gun devil. So he's going to reform himself and then they're going to have to fight kind of thing. Not, oh, we're going to go find him wherever he's been hiding and he hasn't been hiding anywhere. Yeah, that's actually a good theory. I wonder how overreaching the, the gun devil arc is going to be because I get real Shiko and Jewel vibes off of it. And I was talking about Inuyasha with some friends lately. So yeah. maybe that's why. But I could see him being like endgame material and there's just going to be a lot of arcs of fighting to get these little bullets. And that's that's kind of what happens with Jujutsu Kaisen as well. It's all about collecting Sakina's fingers and they it makes the the things that eat it more powerful. So it's very similar and the, he's the end goal villain, but they've got a bunch of other villains that they're going to be fighting. And I also liked the Aki reveal of this is why he really hates devils is the gun devil killed his whole family right when he was starting. It wasn't like I was finally starting to feel happy with my little brother. Like, sure, I was frustrated that he was always sick and my dad wouldn't play catch. But I was like, I was finally I finally felt a little bit good about myself. And then, bam, everyone's dead. Yeah. I mean, I do like Aki, so. My yeah. number four is We Never Learn. I don't know if I have anything more to say about it, but it's a nice little tying everything up. I do like that little hint about Yu-Gi-Oh's dad. And it was just cute. Yeah. So my number three was Promised Neverland. I really liked the reveal at the end that Norman actually knew this chick existed. And he's like, I can't believe that clan hasn't been wiped out. Like, I thought they were all dead. What do you mean they're still alive? Yeah, my number three was also the Promised Neverland. Although, also like you, I didn't necessarily read that as he's like, I thought they were all dead. I thought it was more as like, you guys should not know about those. Maybe. I think at one point he says, I thought they were Maybe wiped out or I thought she died. Okay. Because the one chick that she's thinking about was the one in the cage. Yeah. Like, clearly it's not just part of her descendants mm -hmm. or something like that. It was like, it was that person or that demon. So, super solid chapter of Promised Neverland. So, my number two was One Piece. I really liked the bit with Queen and the prison guard and just the, all right, what are the three things that are concerning you right now was like well Eustace escaped somebody stole the keys to the sea prism cuffs and Luffy is currently <laughs> escaping right now I think it like I... points in the background where you can see Luffy running away maybe my favorite is that that's concern number three like I do no, kind of that was concern number one but he listed them as this is my third most concern and it's like the top concern right now is Luffy is escaping I actually I didn't read it that way I thought like Eustace kid has escaped I can see being a worse concern than someone is escaping right yeah. And like someone has the key also bad, but I do like that. Oh, also the main characters over there beating up the guards is yep. like number three. Yeah. And the more backstory on Hargoro was pretty cool. I liked a lot of the payoffs. So that's why it went a little bit higher for me. On my number two is My Hero Academia. I think because I just really like the banter between Bakugo and Todoroki. And like I said, I really like Bakugo as this like, shut up, I'm saving you yes. sort of hero. Yeah, well, I even liked that with his first hero license, where at first he <laughs> seemed crass and rude, and then a couple of the people were like, well, he is crass and rude about it, but like he's making all the correct decisions. <laughs> yes. Like at first somebody was like, no, 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 we need to do it like this. He's like, shut up. If you're not hurt, go over there. And they were like, that's actually the correct call. That's how you do triage. If you're just bleeding from a cut on your arm, go fix it yourself. I need to go save somebody who's, like, got a broken leg or trapped under rubble. I can't deal with you right now. Yeah. And so they were like, you lose points because you're so mean about it, but you're at least thinking correctly. So that was that was really funny. The Oh, what happened to all the stolen goods? Oh, I pickpocketed them off those <laughs> dudes as I was causing them to as I was explode slapping them. Yeah. So our number one, I actually switched it when we were talking about it. For the 
podcast because I realized how much I liked it was Food Wars. Yep. It's mostly that page reveal, I think. That was a super sweet page reveal. And like you said, it's nice to see Megumi do something. It's not that she doesn't ever do anything, but she tends to be the meek character that doesn't do a whole lot. And I really like not just the fact that she defeated the guy but afterwards. Like effortlessly? Not not even just effortlessly. It was afterwards when she was like, hey, listen, Aaron is my friend, and you're causing her to feel bad about herself, so I'm kind of mad at you. Yeah. And it's like the, the meek character being like, I'm starting to get angry. Yeah. I'd say that she's definitely going to lose. Yeah. But maybe she'll do something cool with hospitality? I don't know. Actually, as much as weird as this sounds and there's almost no way this this is happening i could see something weird happening with she actually ends up winning and erina ends up becoming the villain not the villain but the one they have to beat in the contest i would like that a lot more and maybe that'll happen later on like maybe she'll end up losing but cyborg will lose to soma and then soma has to defeat erina because i would insane trying to defeat her mom that's the way i think the arc's gonna go because Soma has to have a confrontation with Saiba, but I feel like if Saiba beats Arina, that really lowers Arina's character and it makes it just like a white knight story. And yeah. that's kind of boring. Yeah, I, I do hope that it is because we already seeing her. She's starting to slide down this downward path. So it's going to be Soma defeats Saiba and then he has to defeat Arina as she's gone insane trying to yeah. fight her mom and is like, I need to be perfect. Yes. And he's essentially going to slap her out of it being like, what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, maybe he'll get Megumi's hospitality power through the law of power transfers after he beats Saiba and defeat her with friendship. Sure. That would be pretty good. All right. I was going to say, speaking of friendship, but friendship and pretty good aren't very good transitions. So I guess now that we're done, let's talk about that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. All right, so we read that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha for my birthday. I'm bad at buying birthday presents for myself, it seems. I could have gotten you a worse one. I'm sure you could have, Kevin. I could have gotten you a manga-themed worse one. I, again, I'm sure you could have. Zach got me Keijo a year ago. I was half debating doing the exact same thing. <laughs> Getting me more Keijo? Or Getting like you the manga game, version. Manga. Well, then I would know that my friends are truly the worst. Hey, I didn't. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. So yeah, that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha is, I don't want to start dunking on it right away, but I made my feelings on Isekai and how it's not my favorite last week. I feel like if I, a person who does not like Isekai, was going to write a parody of Isekai, this is exactly what I would write. Yeah. Like, because it starts with this dude, he's a high school student, he doesn't even have a name. Nope. Just kind of walking around, talking with his friends, like, hey, let's get to that new Dragon Ball VR thing. Yep, he was like, I recently won the Doka... Dogon battle tournament or something like that. Like I recently won some big competition, and so I'm like super excited about it. He's like, yeah, Yamcha's even a good character in that game. Can you believe it, Yamcha? Hey, look, a hot girl, and then he trips and falls down some stairs. Yep. And when he wakes up, he's Yamcha at the end of the first arc of Dragon Ball. Yep. And he's like, oh man, I could get together with Bulma. 
not just I like oh man I get to be together with Bulma because they date for a little while yeah and so he's all happy about that and he's like oh wait a minute then I die yeah he's like so hey Bulma instead of hanging out with you I'm gonna go train with Master Roshi with Goku yeah I'm gonna go follow Goku so uh, wait for me okay so then we cut to the Saiyan saga yeah and that's really the start of like even in, they don't really even go over much of it in flashbacks like I could kind of tell this was fan made because it was like well you didn't fill in anything like i understand what you did but yeah it has a very fan fiction equality to it despite being official yeah so they cut to the saiyan saga and yamcha beats all the cybermen even when they all jump on him to try to explode at once he survives yep and that's chapter one yeah so chapter two we do flashback a little it explains how he trained during the year time gap. Yeah, he trained with Goku and he actually went to Namek. Yeah, he like went to Kami's lookout when they were all like training with Kami's like, hey, can you show me where that spaceship is, Mr. Popo? Yep. And so he goes to Namek to get Elder Elder Guru. It, its name is Grand Elder. They use the name Guru in the original dub. So okay. a lot of people use the name Guru. That's what the I official translation that. is. The na- it's the Grand Elder. Uh, uh, to get him to unlock his hidden potential. Yeah, he's like, hey, can I train with Nail? And Guru's like, yeah, Nail, you should do that because, like, I've seen this guy's, like, memories Yeah, he's unlocking like, him. He notices that he has two different sets of memories. Yeah. He's like, hey, you're from another universe. And he's also like, oh, and also you know what's that freezes coming and are trying to, like, make things better for yep. yourself, but that can also make things better for us, so. Yeah, you'll more likely be able to save Namek if you're here and prepared for the fight yeah so yeah train with nail having two guys as strong as nail couldn't hurt so then he like all the characters he forgets that the saiyans arrive early in the story yep so he didn't give himself enough time to get back so they have to collect the namek dragon balls which i wish had some fallout but yeah it's the closest thing this character does to like having a setback or making a mistake yeah does frieza show up a year after the doesn't he show up like much it's not, it's a couple months, and also the Namekian year is shorter. Like, that's established, that the Namekian uh, Dragon Balls recharge faster. Yeah. Because it's less than a year. Um, a, a Namekian year is less than an Earth year. Yep. And it does take them months to reach the planet from Earth. So, I'm not really sure on the timeline there. Yeah, so I feel like, and again, this is kind of the fan fiction-y thing of, like, he thought of some things, but other things just kind of get glossed over and it's like well if you would use the namekian dragon balls a you only used one of the wishes i guess technically nail is the one wishing for it but then you just go home with the first wish and you get three and then they would be dead for when freeze i mean i guess that would actually work out kind of in their favor and also another thing is it's also established in the boo saga that if you don't use all the wishes the balls will recharge faster Okay. So, like, it might work out, but... Maybe. But, yeah, again, we don't... I guess spoilers. There's no Frieza saga in this. No. But, like, again, how would the Dragon Balls being inert affect that? But also, we find out that the Dragon Balls were not inert during the Frieza saga, so... Yeah. Well, and it's also... There's a lot of things where stuff tends to happen exactly the same, even though it's like, oh, Yamcha didn't die. Well, that would change a lot of the Z Fighters, like, the whole Saiyan fight and then if he was there helping out against frieza 
Yeah. And Krillin probably wouldn't have died, so Goku wouldn't have gone Super Saiyan the first time. Well, that, that's That could go a number of ways. It could. I don't know that I agree with you, but that we don't see that is disappointing, I think. Yeah, it, that's what I mean by it just gets glossed over. Like, it's one thing to try and show that even if they had made mention of it, like, huh, even though I keep changing things, stuff still happens the same way, so maybe there's some force trying to make it happen that way. Yeah. Would well, be kind of interesting, but it doesn't get explored. And then he goes to fight Vegeta and Nappa. They check what his power level is on the scouter, and it's over 10,000. Yes. And I was just wondering, is it over 9,000 in the Japanese version? Because <laughs> if you don't know, infamously, the yes. original there is over 8,000. They changed it for lip flaps. So Yamcha is able to defeat Nappa. Yep. And then we like flash forward and again don't see anything to Yamcha and Goku fighting Vegeta. Yep. And there is one of the funnier jokes is Yamcha's like, okay, Goku, I'm going to distract him and you like figure out how to finish him. He's like, Yamcha, are you sure you're going to be able to do that? Because even though he's very strong, he's still clearly weaker than Goku. Yeah, because he's a no- he's still like Yamcha's strong, but he's still a normal human. Yeah, he's like base form Goku strong. He can't KO Ken now. Yeah, and he's like, I'll figure something out. And so Vegeta's beating the crap out of him, and he's like, Man, ah, uh, what am I gonna do? Like, I if only I could like embarrass him by showing him that weird dance he does for Beerus. He's like, Oh yeah, hey Vegeta, it's Lord Beerus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is a good like it's a weird cut since obviously in real life Lord Beerus was not even a idea in Toriyama's mind during that Saiyan Saga fight. Yeah, but... but canonically, Vegeta would have known about him. Yes. And so that's what distracts him enough for Goku to land the finishing blow. And Yamcha tries to kill him in the pod as he's escaping so that uh, he will not come back to get with Bulma. So that Yamcha can be with Bulma forever. But that, like, he's like, no, I want to fight him again. And he's like, yeah, and then Trunks wouldn't come back and warn us about the androids. And... Yeah, there's a lot... He's like... So that's a little bit Char- of... Vegeta wouldn't have his character development. Yeah, and... so... As much as I, I want to get rid of him, I can't yeah. kind of thing. And then we like flash forward to the Cell games. Yes. Which, like I said, is disappointing because also we established that because Yamcha was there, no one died. Yep. Which is a cool like idea, but like they would have no reason to go to Namek. Yeah. But they still did because like the Cell games are about to begin. Yamcha's getting ready. But then instead of going to them, he like like shows up on a random rock and chats is like, Hey, weren't you going to the cell games? Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm here to fight you. He's like, yeah, because I know that like Gohan's gonna, Gohan doesn't need me to go super Saiyan too. Yeah. He's like, I can't do anything <laughs> against cell. What, what do you think I'm going to do? He's like, but I realize that you are also a guy who's reincarnated, which is like not a bad idea. Yeah. But this has not been set up at all. No. And he's like, yeah, I realized at the Tenkaichi Budokai that like, you didn't get tripped up by math problems, even though you still lost. Like, it wasn't the same way. Yeah, and, and you didn't self-destruct again. Well, I mean, the Cybermen weren't. Nappa got beaten by Yamcha, but yeah. it's like, just, you've been, I've been noticing weird things going on, and we get a little bit of him as Yamcha has been trying to make, he was like, you tried to steal the Namekian Dragon Balls to make a wish, and I had to, like, stop you and cover for you and so he's like i've been trying to push the story along the, the route that it's supposed to go yeah and like that's uh, that part again has that fan fiction equality of it's like i realized it was you also there was that time you totally stole the namekian dragon balls and i which i guess though in the real story chance wouldn't have been there because he'd have been dead so yeah maybe he didn't immediately realize this is because he's a different guy yeah but he was like i realized 
once you started collecting the Dragon Balls and ran off with them that you were starting to be weird. So it was the, I knew it was you and here's why. It just, it came off as very weird. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, every time I die, I have to restart as Chiaotzu and it sucks because Chiaotzu always dies. Yep. Which is weird in Dragon Ball because you think he would just go to Snake Way, but whatever. And he's like, you did pretty good on your first life as Yamcha, but I'm going to murder you now. I'm going to use my psychic powers to become a supervillain. It's like, but, but uh, Goku and Gohan. Yeah, I was like, but you can't defeat the main character. How How is this a plan? Yeah. I guess maybe he'll just get the Dragon Balls. Yeah, I was like, I could maybe understand. Like, I understand using the Dragon Balls to do it, or I'm going to try and be like a, sup- a secret supervillain. I'm going to try and like puppet string things. But like, I'm going to wait he- for the Cell Games to be over, and I'm going to be a supervillain for Mr. Satan. Yeah, but he he tries to make it sound like I'm going to take over the planet. It was like, you keep dying to the enemies that the main characters are beating. What makes you think that you're going to be able to live? Yeah, and he reveals he was like the Dogon battle champion before he got reincarnated. And they like start bonding over Dragon Ball trivia. Yeah, that this guy was even more of a super fan because he knew how to speak the Namekian catchphrase to summon the... Um, uh, Perunga. Perunga, like... A true super fan would actually know Namekian kind of thing. But he like trips him up and was like, hey, then when's Yamcha's birthday? <laughs> Which obviously he knows because he is He's Yamcha. Yamcha. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I don't think that was ever announced, but I think they were hinted at that it was March 2nd or maybe March 20th. And that's when Yamcha <laughs> punches him. Yeah. And then I don't actually remember how that story ends. So it ends with we cut to it says like. The battle has been declared a draw, and we cut to Beerus and... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Champa? Yeah, no, it, uh, they... Yeah, Yamcha and... Yeah, you're right. I do remember this now. Yamcha and Chatsu before that, though, are like, yeah, everything's gonna be great. Until seven years from now, when Majin Buu kills us all. Yep. Fuh. And then we cut to... Yeah, it is Beerus and Champa, and they're like, ah, oh, we were playing the resurrection game, but it's a draw. Your, your Yamcha and my Chatsu became friends instead of killing each other. Yeah, and Beerus is like, what? No, Yamcha was totally winning. Yeah. And then so Beerus, or Whis and Vados are like, well, I guess we have to fix everything. And they put the well, people... Well, because I think Beerus destroys the game board, and yeah. Champa was like, hey, I spent a lot of time getting that. Yeah. Uh, so they, like, return the two people back to the real world. Yep. And it ends on this almost cute, if it wasn't perverse, bit of him, like, swinging his hand, like, Dragon Ball Z style, and it blows up the girl he was chasing skirt. Yeah. And then he tries to do it again, but... Nothing happens. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that was just a weird fluke. Yeah. You know, of course, this isn't Dragon Ball. I'm not I'm not actually Yamcha. So if that sounds interesting to you, uh, cool. Don't read it because it's just exactly what we said. Yeah. Because there's the art. It looks like a Kira Toriyama art. It's not bad art, but the battles are kind of nothing. And it is very we talked about how it skips around a lot. Yeah. It and shows very little of the interesting stuff. It's very bad at it. And it's that. It's not that it's bad fan fiction. I mean, clearly this got picked up because enough people liked it. But uh, this was not. This didn't even start as fan fiction. He was told do this Dragon Ball story oh, by Toei. T- okay. He Never did mind. do Dragon Ball like fan art before that, so okay. he was picked up as like a Doshijin as, fan artist guy. But... Gotcha. But yeah, it's definitely got that feeling of I have these couple of cool scenes in my head and this cool premise, and I'm just going to put that down, and it's like. That that doesn't make a good manga, that doesn't make a good book, that doesn't make a good movie. You can't have, all right, I've got these four cool scenes that even if the scenes themselves look amazing, if they're totally disjointed, the movie is terrible. Yeah. And we also, he had a couple of like one panel jokes that aren't even in the manga. They're like the chapter ends. 
Mm. The only one that really stands out to me is the at the very last one. We see Yamcha about to fight Dr. Jiro. And he's like, all right, just watch out for his hands. Yep. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, I mean, because I didn't have to pay anything for it, it wasn't bad. But. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it's again, not my favorite. No, I'm a fan of Isekai and this wasn't my favorite either because it was just kind of all over the place. Like a lot of this stuff and this is why I like reading Isekai light novels is a lot of the stuff is all of the background and all of the details that make it really cool. And this skips over all of them. All right. So shall we rank not Yamcha? He doesn't even get a name on our personality power level list. Sure. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? All right. Personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. The best is Suzuki Midoriya, who is way better than any form of Yamcha. Yes. The worst is Mumanga from Overlord. Yep. And in the middle, we have Anise Murphy from Cypher. Uh, Yamcha here doesn't even have a name, so I actually feel like almost by default he should go at the bottom. Yeah, because... I mean, he... I really didn't like Mumanga last week, but he had character traits at least. Yeah, and he doesn't even really have a personality because they he's tend like... to skip over everything. I guess his personality is he keeps forget, even though he's a Dragon Ball Super fan... He likes Bulma so much that he keeps forgetting that he dies over and over again in the series. I was going to say, his character trait is kind of perverse. Yes. And that's about it. I'm not even sure what to put as like the entry, like not Yamcha or Yamcha asterisk. I'll probably do not Yamcha. So not Yamcha goes at number 21 below Mamanga. And that pretty much does it for this week, right, Kevin? Yep. What isekai hell are you going to subject me to next week? So next week, we are going to be reading ReZero, Starting Life in a New World. The day, a day in the capital, I think, is the because they broke the manga broke the story arcs into their own like manga series. Okay, so it's like the day in the capital. So it'd be like if it was like Saiyan Saga and then yeah, Saga. Okay, so it's just an extremely long title for the manga, but the even a day in the capital has like three volumes. Then the next one has like another three volumes. So it just the arcs got broken up. Okay, but yeah, we'll be reading that which. Super solid anime, super solid light novel that I'm actually currently reading the sixth one of at the moment. I'm getting caught up on my ReZero. And hopefully I the manga's good. All right. So in the meantime, if you want to listen to our old episodes on stuff that maybe isn't Isekai, you can do that at lastpodcast.com. That's also where you can see the personality power level list and check out our Discord if you'd like to talk to us. Uh, you can also leave comments if you have any suggestions for stuff we should read. I think we don't have any idea what we're doing in April yet, so nope, might be a good time to make some suggestions. You can also find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, where we just played Wing Commander, and It's a Gundam, where we talk about Gundam Seed, one of my very favorite anime. If you like the podcast, feel free to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps people find us or just tell a friend that you enjoy listening to us. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to plug this week? None this week. All right. See you next week, guys.
Palestine.